Welcome to another episode of The Space Between. On today's episode, we speak to Samuel D. Osborne, who uh, runs beatbox workshops and I believe he does NLP and various other uh, interesting psychological energetic practices. So on today's show, we also have James Walker. Now, James has a teaching degree and formal qualifications in photography. He has a lifelong interest in firearms, martial arts, Eastern philosophy and occult practices. He has a highly protected person security clearance and he's under lifelong restrictions imposed by the Official Secrets Act in three different Commonwealth countries. I wish I'd known that before this podcast, I would have asked him some more uh, interesting questions. (laughs) He's currently working in an executive management role within the disability sector and as you'll see, he's got a, a variety of opinions and insights into various things. And of course, we're joined by the wonderful Bob Lunn. Uh, he was, uh, had a few drinks before this one, so you might hear a little slur or two in there. It was quite fun. <laughs> this episode was actually originally meant to be part of his Bobcast, but he's no longer producing those, so I thought I'd, you know, not let it go to waste and, and chuck it on here for you guys. There's so many different things explored in this podcast, particularly around uh, children and education and what it is that uh, kind of stops people from being true to themselves and making mistakes and putting themselves in situations that are uncomfortable or scary for them. And we talk about Rudolf Steiner, Kabbalah, all sorts of things. And uh, there may even be a little freestyle from yours truly on there as well. So. Now, this podcast was recorded way back in... Around April, April, May, maybe even June uh, 2013. So 
I'm sure people's opinions and perspectives have changed a bit since then, but yeah, there's a uh, there's little charm to this one, so I thought I'd, I'd get it out there. So to lead us in as usual, we've got uh, Fortnite Productions. Take it away. This is the feel of the gut-torn city. This is the repetition of work, sleep, eat, sex This is the life seen in the buskers This is the search for meaning This is for those who are open-minded This is for anyone who likes to chill This is for people who like our music This is for people who don't This is not for racist dickheads This is not for the money alone This is not better than anything else And it's not worse than anything else This is the sound of the city This is the sound of culture But most of all, this is what you want it to be I'm unacquainted with you guys as Bobbies. How rude was it? Well, <laughs> not too late. I've, I've come to expect that from the general uh, interaction between you boys. You have a really rambunctious style. But I would like to know uh, where you come from and what this whole beatboxing workshop thing's all about. Because uh, I know I met you a few years back now and, and got to get involved in one of the workshops. But the first, you were at the first. I was band. at the first. There you go. And Bobby was at the one that I did first this year well, three years later after a two year break that's kind of significant there you go and what got you into this whole thing in the first place like have you been beatboxing forever or I'm what's... now 33 I started when I was 14 because I heard the Prodigy Experience album and thought I want to create electronic music on the computer and so I found a tracker program and I started having a crack at it and then during the day at high school I would compose the sounds or try to the sounds that I heard, heard, had heard in like RTR's Strictly Rhythm, Deep House, Late Night Show, or um, uh, what's the other one they played on RTR, Beats Per Minute, just underground techno. There's the only place I could find it. And so I tried to create these sounds with my mouth, the whole beats, the percussions, the synthes leads, to the point that I actually was like, oh, I really like doing this, it's good fun. And then fast forward lots and lots and lots of years and practicing, it's just what I do. I thought, why don't I start a workshop or entertain children? And now I have this idea of a school of beatboxing, which teaches kids how to do it and record it. However, there is something else going on. And that is, I'm actually raising awareness about their voice, which is one of the most powerful things on this planet. Yet I have to call it beatboxing because it's cool. It's a hook to get the young kids in. Essentially, you're talking about self-empowerment, putting confidence where it's lacking. It is not lacking. It requires a gardener to come along and just give it a little bit of love and all of a sudden it takes off. Just that water, man. So I can remember um, one of the children that came into the beatboxing workshop that I was at. It's like when I was asking him questions, his mother was jumping in with the answer on his mm. behalf for yep. him. Yep. How would... How do you see what's going on there and is that what you're trying to empower him against something? How does it help? Okay, so yes, it's very common for a mother to answer for her child because what is really going on is um, a replay of her childhood through her son and she needs to go away and have a little meditation or some therapy. Not therapy, just awareness raising of, oh yeah, my mum used to do this to me too. And going, well, what am I really doing? I'm actually silencing my son. That can't be healthy. 
a lot of parents do it because they're living out their own script. So they come into the room once the mother has gone and they light up. Give them half a chance, man, and they're like, snatch the mic out of your hand. It's brilliant to see them come in all shy. Hour later, they're just like, having a go. Isn't that what we are meant to do to our fellow children and human being is to go, let's bring out of you the awesomeness by making noises into a microphone, no less. <laughs> hey, it's working on some level. Because I guess some of these children that you're working with, I mean, when you ask someone, what's one of the first words you remember? Everyone says, oh, you know, mama, dada, that sort of thing. But through just watching a lot of people with their, their firstborns, and like as they're starting to get their exploratory years, the word most often heard is no, 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 no. So you get these barriers built up very quickly of like, whoa, I don't want to go outside that. Do you see that or as an obstacle? Do you we, work with that? We spend, most parents spend the first two months trying to get their child to talk and the rest of the childhood to tell it to shut up. <laughs> Don't they? They're like, oh, he said something, say something else. And then come three, four, five, they're like, shut up, will you? Just go to sleep. So then we want them to uh, succeed. So we get them to study. We always ask them to do stuff that they don't naturally want to do, it seems, with good reason, it seems. Well, that's the excuse. But, uh, yeah, man, there's a lot of commands that they could be giving instead. Not no, 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 but I know what you mean with people else. putting words into into children's mouths, which is kind of like stopping them, which is kind of like stopping them um, expressing themselves just at the moment that perhaps they were going to. But that probably starts from a pretty early habit of explaining the names of things. You know, like never having had children, I don't suffer it, but I find it sort of irritating hearing it all over the place. Everywhere you go, some female voice using a babyish tone and saying, you know, shopping trolley. And you sort of look around and they're pointing at something with a, a tiny child in, in arms or in the shopping trolley or something. And, you know, as you wander around, you're hearing this can of tomatoes. Are you oh, saying you know, that they talk down to them? Well, they're explaining what they're seeing in the world. This is a baby that doesn't know what, what it's seeing. So oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. given the names of things, right? And it's a habit that... Um, that Gucci Gaga sort of speak. Stands from that. The tone. But I'm saying it's a it's habit that terrible, form. isn't it? And it's the explanation, perhaps, to you saying that the, the son of 13 or 14 is having the mother leap up and... Um, speak for it it's almost like this is how it's done son you're obviously shy i'm showing you get up you know it's an it's a uh, perhaps it's quite a uh, a less sinister thing than you make it i guess i'm saying it's perhaps quite natural it's not sinister it's just you know that's the complex wonderful beautiful things of human and their own path to self-discovery man the greater the, the struggle the greater the victory you know what i mean like that woman has set herself up for a beautiful realization, man. If you think of it in terms of like multi-incarnational travel, sure. she might get it this time. Post 2012, man. So me and my friends have all just gone, I don't know what I want to do. I'm lost. 
I've got this inclination to go follow this specific thing that I've always wanted to and going forth with it and going through this phase of like, everything's uncertain. Where's the signpost? And I was saying it's encouraging to create your own signposts within, be your own compass. Well, see, in my era, the same feeling uh, came with the sort of tumbling of the of the Berlin Wall and the lack of the threat of being annihilated by a thermonuclear device, where, whereas uh, the, the shock of realisation only a few years later was with... Um, the AIDS epidemic and the and the the freedom once experienced so short-lived. So, you know, good luck with that, Sam. You know, like you have a sudden moment of freedom where you think perhaps we will survive, perhaps we can choose, perhaps there's a point in accumulating and buying property and, you know, doing stuff that has a permanency about it. You know, Link here was saying that he feels like he's an accumulator of stuff and he can carry, pretty much carry it all in a backpack. I mean, I snorted that, thinking I'd need three semi-trailers to, to carry what I've... I couldn't drive it all with mm. myself, you know. I would need help to remove my accumulations. A single backpack would be a joke. You might need a donkey. Uh, I'd need a team of donkeys. <laughs> and your assistance, I trust, Sam. Yeah, probably. On a, on a spare weekend. <laughs> You'd need me to ask you questions that you couldn't answer. Or didn't want to. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, does any question have an actual answer? No. A question is just a reflection of, of yeah, an answer yeah. that's already known, isn't it? Or perhaps the other way around, I can't remember. <laughs> You're onto something. May I ask you a question? I'll bring that up. So the one thing that I found really interesting about your workshops was not that you went in there and taught them to beatbox, that you did a visualisation exercise. Ah, uh, yes. I remember doing drama class when I was a young child and it was amazing the visualization exercises that I was able to do and being an adult it took me a while to recultivate my ability to visualize and knowing that it's a really powerful tool for many things um, I was really surprised and impressed that that was probably the most I wouldn't say most important but it was the most powerful part of the whole experience I think I designed the whole workshop to have the NLP future pace to beatboxing for these children so that um, as the beatbox track that I was looping progressed in a very ambient, chill out sort of style that I was narrating to a future pace to them saying, imagine yourself doing the thing that you would love to do in life. How does it look, sound, taste? How will you know? A total NLP future pace technique found on the internet. It's very effective in getting you into the emotional state of having the thing that you want, which then, owing to neuroplasticity theory, begins to create the neurons in your brain that it's happening, and which in effect changes the magnetic uh, uh, amplification of the heart, which changes the physical structure of reality atoms. This is recorded, provable. Now, how do we turn the heart to the right magnetic shape that we actually can shapeshift things? And Sam, um, NLP? Neuro-linguistic programming. A very bad name for what it really is, actually. Um, it's, it's just language. It's just really clever language. It's more conscious language. It doesn't have to have this big neuro-linguistic spaghetti name. Just call it conscious language. I'm conscious of what I say, man. I'm aware of it. 
but the assumption is that by doing certain exercises or being, you know, spoken to in a certain way or for some in some manipulative manner, which is not necessarily a negative thing, of course, you can change your your reality by changing the way you think, or you can change the structure of of your brain by certain. Uh, techniques which will therefore inevitably change the way you think because your brain's a different brain um, and conceptually that isn't anything new is it that's the foundation of religion that's the foundation of pretty much everything is that you can become a different person presumably a better person i agree with that i would say that it has become more I guess the the description the describing of what is going on on a biological level and under a microscope is more accurate. Yes, we have known it for, about it for a long time, you know. They uh, had it like uh, Lewis <coughs> Tyson or Lewis, somebody or other, I can't remember his name, but he... No, 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 no. go way back, <coughs> man. Go to the, I'm gonna bring up Old Testament stories. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Not because I'm Christian, but because I understand the metaphor of the story and its place in the mm. evolution of consciousness coming from a Rudolf Steiner sort of approach here is that the Hebrews, what's his name Joseph was hitched up with, not hitched up, sect to IC to the Pharaoh mm -hmm. because he could visualize because he could see ideas and go, we should do this and the Pharaoh's like, we ain't got people like that around here, promote that man Well I guess he was probably saying, I, I see you doing this and being wildly successful, so the Pharaoh was saying No, I no, like, no, no. I like he had that. ideas for like I don't know, dams or pumps like mm. technical data like oh for sure engineering yeah, uh, ideas mm. like let's build this and they're like what's that it'll, well it'll do this blah 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 and um so it starts with a vision whatever no well matter, you know what, it could have come as a, a voice in in older times you know you hear in the wind a sympathetic magic kind of and well, that brings comes back you could to have the had start of our conversation is that voice an internal or an external voice is the vision something you create within you or is it something presented to you by some external god that's the mm. kind of fundamental question for most people and i think that's why you know the whole christian paradigm of having this as being an external presentation of spirituality that you have to sometimes achieve to rather than invoke within that that's the concept that I think we both find somewhat difficult to to work with, uh, but it's such an entrenched paradigm, it tends to be a blockage for most people. Here is my solution. Initially, the divine consciousness went, I want to forget about a part of myself so that it doesn't know that it's divine. And then it has to try and wake up and realize, hey, I was actually divine the whole time. This is going to take eons. So it creates this physical realm where... There's I'm a divided for the chance of yep. union. Okay, so that. And then... <clears throat> Um, yeah, we go into here and we have all this discussion and we, we just totally don't remember. Wow. And it's a game of surprise. We oh, actually want wanted to forget. And the now, universe remembers uh, the reality still exists, doesn't it, whether we remember it and doesn't then, really matter. Now that we are separated, what the brain does is it looks out, it receives the stimulus, it looks out at the world and the, the divinity, everything else comes back at us. And the important thing that is created as a separation of these two things is the relationship between that which is divine and that is removed and that's never been created before. And every time it does, it's like, yay, one for the team. That's pretty much the game. And it's hilarious as well because we're so stupid. 
we make some terrible mistakes. Um, we what went, a, went off track a bit there, didn't we? Well, there's no real track. That's well, actually yes. No, you're right. There is a track, but when you go off the track, you get to like eat awesome poisonous berries, and you get to find cool mushrooms. So we can stumble off the track as much as we want. But I would like to know what some of the most like amazing experiences you've had from from your perspective, um, working. Uh, with kids and doing beatbox workshops is there any kids that kind of stand out in your mind that you remember like for i don't know just just an interaction you had um, i'll give a preview of six-year-olds to 14-year-olds in terms of confidence level it will surprise you or maybe it won't of course there's always one in each group which is just infinitely confident no matter the age generally i would find that the six-year-old is more confident than the 14-year-old because the 14-year-old the is too cool for school. And it's got a whole bunch of astral body emotional dilemmas going on of who am I, what do I like, oh, I'm so self-conscious all of a sudden that they don't have the balls to take the mic so much. The six-year-old gets on there and goes, give it here. And they're more creative the younger they are because they haven't had as much time to think about themselves too early. I don't know, something like that. Some highlights, man. Of the, yeah, a six-year-old that can just pick the mic up and just go, that guy's going to be the next Frank Sinatra. You can just tell. Just amazing talent and confidence and clarity of in their eyes, in their speak. Do you ever get to see a follow-up of what some of them have um, done afterwards? Or I have, um, let's see, um, not a lot. Doesn't happen very often. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing because I do shiatsu therapy and I get to diagnose a patient before I start and then I get to treat, but I often don't ever get to see them again. And what I've been trying to do recently is get feedback or, or uh, validation, I guess, for some of the techniques I've used. So To improve yourself. Yeah. So I wonder if, um, is it possible for you to ever get repeat workshops at the same schools or how I does that work? I get one repeat business uh, this month. Melville Senior High School uh, booked me once for their um, they've got a, a build program which is for children with struggling literacy skills so I went in with saying we're going to do a rap writing workshop and beatboxing Awesome. and the teacher said we've never seen them so engaged so they had more money for me like for funding so they said we want to get you for this Indigenous Health and Wellbeing Expo <laughs> which is on the 20th of June of this month in Perth in Willoughby and I think it's open to the public. And I've got a stall there. I, I suspect there's other people that says Expo. It doesn't say Beatboxing Expo. So I guess there's going to be other people there. And man, the stall was cool because you get the five second, or no, the five minute lesson. You get to get through them really quick. So that's... It's uh, the speed dating equivalent of Beatbox <laughs> workshops. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to hang around, some of them keep coming back all day long. And you can see them really get into it. So you can see, you know, give give the child the mic for like five minutes and then they go off and they have a hot dog and they come back in an hour and they go show their friend oh check this out and they jump on there and it's familiarity you know with the equipment they just come and go this is what it can do and it's all out in a loudspeaker so it kind of fills the space can you tell pretty quickly whether or not a kid's going to be able to pick up technique like uh, do some kids surprise you and, and suddenly become good yes. in front of guys? Or? Um, occasionally you get blown away. Some kid who's just been sitting there all like for two hours in a workshop, not saying a thing, he looks like a bit of a loner. Mm -hmm. 
um, I suddenly say, right, we need someone to do um, a particular sound or a particular beat. And all the extroverted guys who've been just dominating just point him and go, Brendan's awesome at it. And Brendan's yeah. in there going, actually, I am. <laughs> and he takes it and just, you know, drops his fat beat. And you're like, where did you come from? Yeah. Why? We've, it's been two hours into the workshop. <laughs> and some kids respond that way. Some kids go, give me the mic and they show off. Others just, just going to hold it, let everyone else take the light. And then, bam. And I don't know if they're doing it consciously or they're really shy. Have you developed any techniques to break through that uh, self-conscious shame? Yeah, you just, I find tasers work really well. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just the, the, you just want to make them dance. Is that your thing? You just, <laughs> just, just no. No, we do all like icebreaker games that make us feel a bit foolish, but also build a rhythm and get them used to what you know a count of four, and um, then we just add sounds to it, so you can do human orchestra sounds. You know, if I do a beat, they try and keep along and they say, right, just keep going, just keep looping that. And then I'll add a second beat and then we just have like a jam going. So Could I really hear a little bit of that right now? Oh, okay. Uh, let's go with... Um Sorry, I can change it up. There you go. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> you wanted to go along with me, didn't you? Well, you're yeah. about to. Improving is delicious and delightful fun. We want to. I'll just keep it hip hop. Ready? Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Okay. One, two. Little freestyle here for the crew. Might have to throw it around, but his throat's hurt, so Bob won't spit right now. I might blurt out anything that I think in my mind. I find myself in a temple. I'm not blind. I see many phallic objects around me, and I support this because Mars be the army that I like to represent when I'm balmy or maybe when I'm heaven sent. Kind of angelic like an arc one. Benevolent, I might be an ark son like Noah or the animals. Every time we do it, we're kind of like cannibals, eating the flesh of what came before because life feeds on life and right now we saw it. That's it. <laughs> I'm happy with that. A bit of fun. That was a bit of fun. So are these the kind of things that you would get the kids to do yeah man then you break that down and you go right i'm making this sound with my tongue hitting the back of my teeth or it's out the side of my mouth or it's this particular consonant sound like a b or a k or a t and you just have little drill games that they just go along with you know right now we're gonna what's i think you even taught me one was it bouncing cats you taught me that one man you use it all the time it's brilliant sam i think um uh sort of enjoyment and spontaneity is, has caught the attention of something maybe because if you listen carefully I think I can hear a helicopter sort of coming 
from the distance. Can you hear it? Yeah, I thought I could. I oh, thought I, I could hear that definitely, coming. That was unmistakably a um a hovercraft. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's all fun and games. But do you find that the children like what? What is it that stops them from actually? Oh, what, is that is that the federales at the door? Did you hear that? I mean, the dogs are inside already, so we've got the sniffer on our side, and it's a beautiful dog. But um, yeah. Do, what is it that stops the kids actually getting involved in it? Like, why why can't they just jump More in? love. More love? More love. If they're loved, they'd do it. But in terms of helping them into the workshop, yeah, man. I do a couple of things. Uh, one is, you know, just try to get some rapport with some games, get them loosen up. The other thing is to just talk to them in a way that um, sounds genuine. Um, I also use a Rudolf Steiner meditation technique of sorry Sam um, Rudolf Steiner Rudolf Steiner yep Austrian philosopher founded Waldorf Education Biodynamic Farming Anthroposophical Medicine um, Eurythmy which is a kind of dance performance drama thing um, ethical banking it's only available in Europe I think Tridos is the bank there's a couple others and a whole lot of like 6,000 lectures in 20 years and about 40 books was highly respected in the German academic era, you know, 1900. He's got a technique where he, you look at the child, or you can apply it to adults, like I said in the car, and the, you say, what is it that this child needs right now, and how can I give it to them? And I get an image in my mind, and I trust that that image is a metaphor filled with information that informs me of how to speak, act, and you know teach towards that child or that parent that person and uh it's working for me is it um kind of a closed system or is it does it open itself to uh, uh, criticism and uh and intelligent review by people that aren't perhaps um that close to it i think it should every subject should have be uh you know critiqued it's pretty open, though, isn't it? But it's like pretty it's open. All, it's, it's all like, been published, yeah. and you can you can read it if you want to. Yeah. It's there. There's it's not the hidden. Anthroposophical Society worldwide, and they're fairly open and considered academic, spiritual people. And they've got these schools, and it's totally open. And it's like anyone they come to conferences, and they've got the School of Spiritual Science, which is essentially a branch of the Anthroposophy movement, and. So it's actually like a religion. Is it actually like registered as a religion? No, it's uh, it's um, there's Rudolf Steiner Press. It's an association, so I guess because they hold classes there, it's like a it's a school. It's a business. It's a business. Like, well, it has to be, I guess. A school is registered as a business. And does it make a lot of money, or is it like a not for profit that get puts the, it all I back? I don't in? know if they make heaps, but um. Some Steiner schools are very wealthy because of the area in which they are. They have to; they're usually self-funding. Also, like the system is so good that the people that sign on to it pay pay plenty, and yeah. they usually so it's pretty make much a bit it's, of money. its number one thing is to make free-thinking adults. That's its aim, and they—the way the teacher is trained is to not give a meaning. 
but to mm. allow the child to create one for themselves. It's almost kind of like an oxymoron, though, to say that we've got this really deeply organised sort of military organisation that makes lots of money and has thousands of people involved in it, whose purpose is to promulgate individual freedom and thought. So it's like you've got this organisation that you've got to be proud of and pay dues to, to promulgate um, freedom of individual expression. It seems, you know, it's, isn't that kind of weird? Like, we have to join the flock to be free to roam in the fields. It's like, well, fuck that, surely. I'd say that Rudolf Steiner education came out of a need because there wasn't enough free thinkers and he could see that things were going pretty pear-shaped. He died 1925, so he saw a little bit of recent history, what we consider it. I saw some pretty tragic history, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, well, I missed some that the rest of us have some, you know, sort of tribal experience of at the very most. He, some would he say, say he was keep, lucky. He said, keep the teacher must keep the education and the classroom lively and, and fact, humorous and imaginative. Where was he born? He was an Austrian, wasn't Austrian, he? Croatian father. So he would have been he lucky was, to have survived the Second World War if he was yeah. a lot younger. He, went, he quit university after having a high prestigious position at 40 and joined H.P. Blavatsky's Theosophical Society ah. because they were a more willing audience to listen to his the stuff on theosophy. Of modern but he said she wasn't really uh, authentic. He said, no, I don't want anything to do with seances or um, mediumship. He's like, right. no. And he developed his own way of spiritual seership through meditation, which is a bit like um, the eight limbs of Ashtanga yoga yeah. or yoga, you know, whatever it is. He's trying to make it scientific. Well, what are the eight limbs? Do you, do you sort of know them off by heart? Or? So the first one is um, a yama and niyama. Yeah. And then there's asana, which is posture, no yeah. moving. And then there's pranayama, the breathing control. Yeah. And then there's four more, isn't there, which yeah. is, goes up to samadhi. Oh, visionary stuff, sure. Yeah, you've, eventually to, you have yeah. to imagine a, an object yep. and then you have to identify with it and then get rid of the concept of being identified with it. And then what's left is nothing. No, Apparently, no yeah. it's egoless. That's the technique. One would think if it was really effective, you'd sort of just vaporise there and then and wouldn't be able to write the book or sell the system. But... Um, People seem to be able to attain these wildly high states that are, by all intents and purposes, impossible, and then come back and um, make money out of explaining how to do it. Just seems to be a good good plan, I suppose. I think that uh, you, you, by every every means, you should have a crack at it. You know, mm. be a I mean, I, you know, I'm not trying to be offensive to Steiner. You know, I mean, the whole Jesus thing is the worst offender. So uh, Steiner, all credit to him. At least it's an alternative. Good on Steiner, I reckon. I'd sign up to Steiner any day compared to, um, you know, St Mary's uh, Catholic School or whatever. That would be mm. uh, horrendous. Uh, Steiner sounds like a fairly good system in comparison. In, in my I mean, opinion. they don't even like to call it a system, but that, they call it a philosophy. But, you know, that's just playing with a few words. Oh, well, my point exactly. You know, uh, a system the doesn't... Does the a system grow? Is it organic? A, a system, system is, um, I don't know, self-sustaining perhaps. Yeah. It's an educational organism. It's allowed to move, like the Kabbalah. Uh, uh, so it's the, not one of those? It's uh, what instead? It's organic. So what are they like calling it? It's a, No, it's a not called a system. It, it isn't. It's not. That's no, called a philosophy. It's called a philosophy. Rudolf Steiner created education principles rather than 
ideals. He said, this is how a human tends to develop physically, astrally, mentally divine. So therefore we should teach it in this way to allow it to, you know, make the most of its natural growth. Sam, just, um, you mentioned the, the Kabbalah back there. Beyond the um, automatic, maybe at some level, association to Madonna, could you oh God, yeah. go on a little bit just in um, your understanding of the Kabbalah? Uh, so uh, the Kabbalah, I believe, comes from the Hebrew to receive. And I think it's I think it's Otzchim or O-T-Z-C-H-I-M, something like that, means to receive. So the Tree of Life, the, the, all the uh, practical meditation, the study of texts, the dogma tradition, dogmatic tradition, sorry, um, is a meditation to receive the wisdom of God. That's the Kabbalah. It's a beautiful system. It's vast. It can be mental. It can be physical. It can be books. And now a lesson on how to make a beat from Fortnite Productions. First we get the to go. Next we get a light. Here comes the light with the kick. Put the three together and it goes like this. Now we need the at the start light. Maybe put it at the end. Now we got the on the top with the heat. The next thing to do is to funk up the beat. The was rolling with the. So we make the go. At the and the and the on the top. Let's play the whole beat so we can see what we got. Next we need a aura, aura. Put the three together like next. Maybe put it at the top and then get the baseline to run once again. We need a sample light Mix up the notes light Put a phaser on the first light And a touch of delay maybe Maybe put a Ah, sorry my mistake Let's just try the whole thing to see how it tastes prepared earlier. Same time. 
think I'm doing that shit? You don't think I'm doing this shit? You think it's some other shit going on? I'm gonna slow it down. I'm gonna slow it down a little bit so y'all can hear the pronunciation on everything I'm saying. Check it out. That was the godfather of noise. The one and only. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, but I honestly have no idea what the I question was. I know the was. question. Yeah? I was in the middle of answering it. What was the question? The question was, what is my ultimate aim when I go into one of these workshops? And I said to champion them, to make young people feel awesome. Okay. Because the world, as Terence McKenna said, is starved of good ideas which come from people who can think for themselves so and Sam, feel good about themselves shit he said fuck man I beatbox today I might be able to do anything else I'm having a go that's all I'm saying I think I'm winning and I think they are too so Sam from a complete stranger walking into your life that day for whatever reason is there present with you you have a goal in mind you want them to leave with something there might be a seed planted in their mind of that they'd never ever heard someone say to them I go in there and I say things very consciously of you're doing really well you can do that you know just the whole time just these little messages of you are capable of doing this depending on where they're at. A lot of my language is very um, much y using NLP presupposition work so that their mind just automatically goes with it, man. And they're very positive. There are teachers in the room and they all think that it's great. They've never seen the children so engaged. Sam, you've mentioned NLP a couple of times. Yep. Can you just like give maybe a little bit more in-depth I mean, do you use NLP yourself? Have you applied it? And where did you first hear of NLP and how did it work for you? NLP is uh, that your words are auditory. I translated into auditory symbols for the unconscious mind. They're powerful. And the ones you say direct your attention. Where your attention is, is how you feel. It affects your physiological state. Am, am I incorrect anywhere yet? Is anyone happy with that? It sounds like a good system. Sounds so like a good system. Using what, when you say your words, do you mean any like, words? Say if I go, words? I am happy. Yep. It's going to change how I feel and what I do. If I say, oh, I feel depressed today, my tone changes, my body language fucking changes instantly. Yeah, but is that because of the words or because of the, of the uh, sort of vision that the words evoke or both? Probably both. So it's like it's uh, what we used to call well, we just happened to be about speaking. 20 years ago that if you, if you say something uh, externally so that you can hear it. I'd say it would be in, internal words, like, you know, internal voice and the words you say and your imagination. Well, that evokes imagination, yeah. doesn't it? So the only thing left really is to smell it if you can create a sense of smell about I, the whole any, thing. Any sensory experience you can create in the imagination Fair is thing. included. Yeah. And they call that internal representations of of a reality that you wish to happen yeah 
of how you interpret what's coming in and therefore what you do. So you could maybe even call it magic, perhaps, for want of a different name. Yes. To N- in fact, NLP. the originators, if you can call them that, Richard Bandler was one, I can't remember the other one. Um, their first NLP book was called, um, was it something magic, you know? And it was based on all these really successful psychotherapists in America in the 60s. And they went around and they just basically surveyed who was doing who was doing really well, like turnaround mm. work with mm. families, counselling, depression, the drugs. The secrets of success. And um, <laughs> then they put together NLP and they realised a lot of it had to do with the words, the internal representations, imagination, and you could change them. So do these guys call this a uh, system or a philosophy it's an art and science man it's not science <laughs> and that, i mean anyway good luck to them they're they're re- repackaging truth and selling it but for do you money. know what do you As, want to know the cool um, thing is i've already mentioned the originators didn't paint in it so there's just been endless lawsuits between all these people who want well, to claim I don't it think you can patent the truth you know surely surely but uh, that's mostly um, americans north americans who unfortunately for them have mars as a ruling sign so, so you know, but isn't the next step with um, with uh, sort of creating a reality you want to be uh, real um, and visualizing and doing all that positive affirmations and so on? Isn't the next step to enhance that somehow through either a, a, a drugs type experience or through a, a trance-like experience uh, that, that's brought about by you know self-flagellation or by some kind of um, a process that is uh, entirely uh, separate to simply sitting quietly thinking about something um, and saying I am happy or whatever. Most people that seek to be happy will, will resort to um, many uh, opportunities beyond sitting quietly saying I am happy, I am happy, I am happy. That was just an example. Right? That was just an example for all the self-talk we have 24 hours a day. Well, exactly, but self-talk uh, of a positive nature is designed to sort of create a more positive reality. Yes. And, uh, you know, a magician will do that by arranging elements. However, and, uh, however, the magician is still susceptible to the fact that even if a magician does an hour of good work, there's 23 hours of unconscious self-talk, which are undoing the effects of his magic. Well, that would be, uh, sort of depend on so, the magician, one would hope, but um, it's, it's possible, yeah. Or perhaps it is merely just a caution note. Be I mean, careful any, that the rest of your thoughts <clears throat> after you've done your magic aren't, oh, I don't know if I can do this, I don't believe in myself, Absolutely. you know, that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Sure. That, well, that's the whole point, isn't it, of, of doing the asana and the pranayama and, is and to having, allow it to spread uh, into know, the rest of your of control. Day. So, yeah and maintaining a focus, even if it's subliminal, uh, or, or at least creating some sort of talismanic uh, focus where one can then consciously forget about it so that you can't undo it by negative, you know. That, well, the trick is to, is to get into an altered state of consciousness, make a, a visualisation and then forget it. Let well, it go into the subconscious that's and a trick, indeed. That's definitely one of them. <laughs> Certainly a good one. Um, I mean, um, but the point I'm trying to make, though, is that NLP is a modern repackaging of concepts that have been packaged and repackaged, yes. and then yes. the fundamentals of religion and of of, um, of truth, and that can't be sold, um, but are only too readily bought, and, and that 
you know, it's a, a deep path of study and and um, and hard work involved in those things. And you can't really buy into NLP and just get get uh, a how-to manual without no. actually doing the work of doing. And you've done the work of doing um, uh, in many ways other than NLP over your life. You know, you've been an initiate, you've been a recce worker, you've been a, a masseur, you've done a heap of things, a martial artist, a you're a published author, you know, the whole concept of, of um, NLP, you know, just on, only defending the fact that people will listen to you and be inspired by you and think that they need to sign on to NLP. No, God, don't do that. <laughs> Thanks. Don't join Hallelujah NLP. for that. Don't do it. Do a bit of Wikipedia research, that'll be enough. Practice from there. You don't need to pay anyone any money for NLP. Um, I love communication because for me... Um, I love creating stuff. Ah. <laughs> and theatre arts is all about, you know, speaking on the stage. And it's like you can create consciousness changes that are, um, you know, really beautiful emotions for an audience. And as an actor, as a teacher, as a beatboxer, performer of any kind, you get on the stage and you create this vortex of awesome feeling so there's that aspect to it and it's if something comes along and replaces nlp and it's beautiful i'll recognize it hopefully and i'll say you know that nlp served its purpose we're in a time now where things are evolving so quickly that you got to let go it's cool to let go of nlp if something better comes along and that's a funny thing about today is that i would like to remain faithful to a particular art or a particular thing in my life so I can master it and really become like you think of the Japanese samurai you think of any kind of real master an enlightened sage whatever they've done the work and they've done it with such focus and commitment that they've achieved in immeasurably great things but when I think about what I want to do in life I don't necessarily want to be the greatest like I everything I've ever done I, there's a few things that I've had a little moment of, you know, inflated ego and be like, yeah, maybe, you know, but I've never thought of it in terms of the greatest, you know, some kind of thing. I've more thought I want to know this thing, but I want to know everything. So I will dabble. Well, I don't even want to say dabble. I will really commit myself for a very short period of time to a lot of things. Do you know what I mean? And and sort of in this way. But the one thing I think is lacking is that our current school system, our current way of thinking about education doesn't um, encourage mentorship. It doesn't encourage you to meet a person and study under them. An apprenticeship and, style. Yeah. And well, an apprenticeship even. I mean, apprenticeship these days means go and work at the fucking mechanics. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that your mechanic a, guy is yeah. your, your master and teaching you some philosophy. They call, call <laughs> it a tutor after school. And yeah. it's like, it's a pathetic it's, description of what it should be. It's the equivalent of the sacrament in the Christian church. You know, they give you a biscuit. They give you a fucking... What do they give you? A wafer or some shit? Eucharist. Like, uh, yeah, well, look, I, I, I got to say, guys, you know, back in the day, that was a psychedelic. Whatever, what, Whenever you're in a church and someone tells you to eat something, it better be psychedelic. Otherwise, that church is a complete fraud of what it once was. Like, So with the school system, it's the same. When they give you these uh, apprenticeships or, or professors in university, it's, it's devaluing the whole point of having a teacher. Like, you don't get a teacher because you want to learn the thing. You get a teacher because you want to hang out with that dude because he's fucking cool, you know? Like, a really good teacher is like Alan Watts or, I don't know, I don't know much about Crowley or Steiner, but I imagine they were the same deal. If you had a met Steiner, I guarantee you, you would have just been like, 
I want to keep hanging out with this guy. He's <laughs> rad. Like, well, he actually awesome. says in his one of his books, um, he was initially given the task of tutoring a boy who was mentally handicapped. And after like 11 weeks of going around to his place, you know, once a week or something, the boy was bright and he was having a go at speaking and just because of being in Steiner's presence who had this and he says you as a teacher can have it too and that's meeting the children with a genuine love and going what is this person becoming and how can I help them and assuming that they are going to be at a point where they're happy they don't have to necessarily be great but you know you take a man, mental handicapped person and you make them you know speak clearly and it gives them a, you know a good feeling about themselves that's fucking enough I think and so I don't go into these workshops thinking I'm going to make you know superstars I go in there thinking okay we have a suicide problem we have a drug problem we have a teen pregnancy problem we have a, a depression problem with teenagers in the country in fact the world if I can go in there and make them go I feel a little bit more awesome than I did yesterday I've done my job seed planter man the microphone yeah well you know I guess just doing that one positive thing might be enough to save one might be a turnaround point who knows an inspiration so you teach at public schools just ordinary non-steiner schools as well you do relief teaching and you've done full-time teaching and all that sometimes catholic do you find you can sort of try and, and present the same um, kind of positive, um, you know, take control of your life, you know, be self-realised sort of a sort of a picture to um, the students in the more crowded, um, perhaps more more sort of mixed uh, language backgrounds, more more issues, um, you know, Steiner are kind of a, uh, a Steiner are kind of a um, cloistered environment to some extent from a teaching perspective or, or yes I do believe I can speak to any demographic parent in a way that they will receive the essence of what is equivalent when I speak to someone else you just are a translator of concepts that every human gets it is really just a matter of languaging it whether you're in Gosnells or whether you're in Mosman Park it's the same thing Humans all love, you know, to be loved, to feel pride, you know, those key things. And you're talking in a way that they go, that's what he's talking about. Are the, you know, class sizes similar? Because you would think that there's certain pressure just through numbers to to sort of uh, shortcut some opportunities because you've kind of got to give attention of course, all over the place, isn't it? If you have 20 five students and you have them for an hour divide an hour by 25 and that's how many minutes really on average each child could get there's a great um, tea towel that says um, if just one of the um, stealth bombers wasn't made by the by the air force and the money was given to schools it sorts so much and then also says and the air force can have the the cake stall to to raise funds yeah (laughs) something like that well you spoke about the the kid who talks a lot and um i was the kid who talks a lot in my class i wasn't necessarily a mean kid i didn't try to like 
destroy shit. I wasn't that sort of kid, but I always was pretty bored in class. Now, mind you, I was smoking a lot in high school, but what do you do with those kids? Like in an ideal situation, I mean, not, not completely far removed. I'm not talking about utopia, but if you got given enough responsibility over your entire class to say that these people are going to do this coursework, this, you know, this subject work, these people are going to do this, these people are going to do these activities. How would you, would you separate the, the attention seeker, troublemaker, or, or would you incorporate them in a different way? Or would you bunch together a bunch of troublemakers and, and do some completely different program? Like how would you... Okay, so you take the four classic personalities of phlegmatic, choleric, sanguine, and melancholy, and you group them all together. So you get the clerics are the ones that, you know, I want to be the leader. They're a bit more boisterous. Put them all together and they'll balance each other's energy out. Put the melancholics together, ones that are more inwardly active, a bit more reflective, and they'll get so bored of nothing happening that one of them will go, fuck, I'll take, co- I'll take charge. So you bring out certain things by doing that. That's, That's the, the Florence Latour system of four personalities you're referring to? Uh, it comes from uh, the classic Greek personalities. Who's this other bloke you talk of? Uh, Florence Latour was an author who wrote, uh, using those specific terms, melancholy, choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, for those four. I mean, there's bird forms as well. Another form has like the owl, the eagle, the turkey. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're ancient, man. Four quarters, four personalities. It's not too hard. So where do you think that comes from then? I mean, it's built into, I mean, there's so many, like you said, there, there are so many different systems because that just have different names planet, for the same thing. Quarters, man. It's not so surprising that a quarter of us may dominate in a particular style of personality. And there are ways to heal it, to strengthen it, or muffle it even, suppress it. There's, you can do it both ways. Is it divide, like into four or ways? Is this- no. I'd say that using a model which only has uh, the four, that the best you could do is say, you dominate more in that quarter, but you've still got bits from other ones. That's a more flexible one. But the thing is, it's not so easy. You need to actually have multiple models to see it. And they don't always work. And that's why people always come up with more. So like each individual is contributing a piece of Lego of which communally we have to build with and so eventually there'd be as many models there are people to understand everyone <laughs> would that be good or bad i think it's going that way it's actually going the way that people will have to create their own personality test for themselves it is a process of moving towards being uh more accountable responsible and conscious of who you are you are becoming a singularity and that is uh... An, an inevitable process or of a course, process driven course, by what? Of course, uh, the attractor at the end of time, damn it. Ah, so <laughs> those of us that choose perhaps to be right royal bastards like and you, do, you. you know, like completely, you know, <laughs> do, have fun and obstructing everyone else doing what they want and, uh, you know, doing horrendous things. There'll be this uh, moment right at the end, right well, at the end. Well, they're being drawn along. You'll be like holding on current, to the last bit know? of, I'm damn it, I'm going to be the last bit of novelty in this time wave evolution and then go, 
Sounds like the sort of uh, license to do <laughs> anything, though, Sam. This uh, this inevitability of enlightenment and of, of uh, sort of super consciousness. Responsibility doesn't allow you to do anything except for what you know is but your duty. going to throw you off the train. It's all heading towards a singularity, you reckon? Oh, it's not a bad thing. So it's okay to do whatever you like and just enjoy, just not, relax. No, I didn't. Did just I say do anything you like? In the spiritual journey, fuck that. Let's just relax. You can relax. I like the sound of totally it. can relax. Try to do it myself as much as possible. Find it difficult. <laughs> I think there's some truth to it. I think that the whole world is sort of evolving and that there is a, a growth in consciousness and that uh, I guess it's, it's being sort of drawn along by the, uh, the individual sort of heroic type that is um, doing more than his share, punching above his weight, so to speak. But I think overall, uh, whether that's the engine that's driving it or they're just you know, on the sort of peripheral edges of, 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 the, of the plane of normality. The whole normality is trending toward a higher consciousness, has been since... Yes, it's just going a bit quicker. Beatles, it's getting a bit quicker. So I had to cut out a little part here because the website information we were talking about is uh, no longer correct. But basically we were talking about running beatbox workshops in schools and so I'll just let the conversation continue on from there. Sweet, yeah, I know a bunch of guys in Melbourne. I could and rap lyric there. writing workshops targeted at, at children who are having just struggling with school. Yeah, because we know beatboxing is cool. They know rapping is cool. So it's like, well, let's use something they love and associate it with learning, and well, give them give them a sense give them a sense of I can do something. Yeah, and I think kids need to know that if you get really good at rapping, you can actually make a living these days, even in Australia. Like people <laughs> might not have gotten onto that, but all these arts that you learn in school are totally careers like there are ways to make money off painting and acting and different things if you try to go for fame and a certain kind of superficial success then you might find yourself sad and lonely and depressed but if you understand how to generate wealth and I'm still working on that and figuring out my own ways of doing it but if you understand the principles of generating wealth you don't need to worry about which subject you choose in primary school or high school or university it doesn't matter because when you turn 25 or 27 you'll actually understand what the f you're doing <laughs> and you'll think all your studies were just a kind of a preparatory period for finding out who you were i guess so i just like to think that uh, someone should tell the kids that someone should tell the kids that um, they don't really need to worry at all about most of what their teachers are telling them other than the information to say eat up all the information your teachers are giving you but other than that don't worry too much about the system that they're trying to encourage you towards mm, yeah I try to say don't stress guys it's not you 12 ain't the end of the world in fact a lot of um, millionaires you know drop out of high school don't they because it's free enterprise that they pursue rather than employment. Ah, dirty word. <laughs> yeah, it's a different world. But yeah, man, um, I think beatboxing and rapping should be part of the national curriculum because it builds confidence. When your confidence is up, you, f you are a better learner. When you feel exhilarated, you learn so much more, retain more, you enjoy, you associate good times with learning so that's got to be a good thing Bobby Sam on your deathbed your highest disciple comes to you in your final minutes and says master what have you learnt 
What would you say? I'll be right back. All right. And just just as a parting manifestation that people can use to personify you, describe yourself in one word. Ganesha, the remover of obstacles. Thank you, brother. And this has been awesome. Link, what do you think? I think, as usual, I'm blessed to have met you, Bob, because your network, your mycelium network, we were talking before, Sam. Love it. Is wonderful. Like, you have been the most gracious host, so I'm really, really thankful and, and appreciative uh, to have been able to use this space. It's actually the dream space. We, Me and Bob were talking about the perfect place to record a podcast, and it looked exactly like this. I didn't have all the artwork exactly in my head, but it's the perfect artwork. <laughs> I don't know who collected all this stuff, but I imagine you guys are... Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And um, that's it for another episode of the Bobcast. Cheers, guys. Well, thanks very much, Bob, for uh, coming over. You're welcome anytime in our uh, home. And it's been a pleasure doing this with you. Thank you. And now it's time for Wisdom from the Hive Mind. Today's guest is the Australian beatboxer, Tom Thumb. Enjoy. My name's Tom and I've come here today to come clean about what I do for money. Um, basically, I use my mouth in strange ways in exchange for cash. Uh, I usually do this kind of thing in seedy downtown bars and on street corners, so this mightn't be the most appropriate setting, but I'd like to give you guys a bit of a demonstration about what I do. <clears throat> number. I'd like to return to the classics. We're gonna take it back. Way back. Back into time.
So. Thank you very much, TEDx. If you guys haven't figured it out already, uh, my name's Tom Thumb, and I'm a beatboxer, which means all the sounds that you just heard were made entirely using just my voice, and the only thing was my voice. Uh, and I can assure you, there are absolutely no effects on this microphone whatsoever. And I'm very, very stoked. <laughs> you guys are just applauding for everything, it's great. Look at this, Mum. I made it. Uh, I'm very, very stoked to be here today, you know, like representing my kinfolk and all those that haven't managed to make a career out of an innate ability for inhuman noisemaking. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it is a bit of a niche market and there's not much work going on, especially where I'm from. Uh, you know, I'm from Brisbane, which is a great city to live in. Woo! All right, most of Brisbane's here. That's good. <laughs> No, um, you know, I'm from Brizzy, uh, which is a great city to live in, but, you know, let's be honest, it's not exactly the cultural hub of the Southern Hemisphere. So I do a lot of my work uh, outside Brisbane and outside Australia, and so the pursuit of this crazy passion of mine has enabled me to see so many amazing places in the world. So I'd like to share with you, if I may, my experiences. So, ladies and gentlemen... I would like to take you on a journey throughout the continents and throughout sound itself. We start our journey in the central deserts. And before we reach our final destination, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to share with you some technology that I brought all the way from the thriving metropolis of Brisbane. Uh, these things in front of me here are called chaos pads, and they allow me to do a whole lot of different things with my voice. For example, the one on the left here allows me to add a little bit of reverb to my sound, which gives me that And uh, the other ones here, you know, I can use them in unison to 
mimic the effect of a drum machine or something like that. I can sample in my own sounds and I can play it back just by hitting the pads here. Way too much time on my hands. And last but not least, the one on my right here allows me to loop, 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 loop my voice. So with all that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to take you on a journey to a completely separate part of Earth as I transform the Sydney Opera House into a smoky downtown jazz bar. All right, boys, take it away. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you a very special friend of mine, one of the greatest double bassists I know, Mr. Smokey Jefferson. Let's take it for a walk. Come on, baby. <laughs>
For more TED Talks like this one go to www.ted.com. Back to you, Link. So if you want more info on Tom Thumb, you can go to his Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash Tom Thummer, which is spelled T-O-M-T-H-U-M-M-E-R. So if you want to find more info about Samuel Osborne and what he's up to these days, you can go to www.samuelosborne.com.au. There you can contact him to arrange a workshop or just find out what he's up to, say hello, say, you know, I love you and you're awesome. Uh, so the website, it's spelled Samuel Osborne, S-A-M-U-E-L-O-S-B-O-R-N-E.com.au. So you can find all the music from today's show in the show notes, but uh, we opened it up with Bobby McFerrin. There was a few different tracks from Razelle there, obviously Fortnite Productions. There was a TED Talk from Tom Thumb. In the background, there was Rena Jones, The Monkey Noughts, and a few others in there. So if you want to check it out, just go to the show notes and you'll be able to get links to all that music. So as usual, we're looking for creative people to get involved with our projects. Uh, we've got a film that we're going to make this year. So any actors, any filmmakers, any any uh, tech guys who want to uh, make a, help us make what I consider to be a really interesting uh, film. A really, it touches on a bunch of ideas and taboo subjects and just incredibly beautiful ways of thinking. So, if you're interested in making art uh, as a practice, as a as a means to to understand yourself and to develop as a human being, please get in touch with us. We are known as Underdusk Productions. You can email me at shiatsulink at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-A-T-S-U-L-I-N-K at gmail.com. Uh, also, we've got our open source collaborative musical experiment, Inverter Alter. Uh, at the moment, we're kind of uh, just jamming um, in, in bedrooms and, and inside spaces, but we'll be getting back out into the, into the public again soon. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you have an idea for someone who you think would be a really amazing guest, please get in contact. Uh, let us know who they are or who you are. If you heard anything on today's podcast or in any previous podcast that you think's a little bit uh, inaccurate, please make, you know get in contact. Uh, I appreciate corrections and I'll, I'll mention them on the next episodes. As some of you will already know, I'm a shiatsu therapist by trade and I have a network of uh, practitioners who can help with a range of different health issues. So if you have anything going on uh, physically, mentally, emotionally... Uh, just get in contact and I'm sure if if not myself someone in my network can probably help you out if you're a practitioner yourself and like to experiment with body work we're always looking for new people to trade with and and, and just get together and do workshops on interesting uh, diagnostic and treatment principles and as usual check out inkalot.net for more podcasts all my music it's all free and uh, just hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are keep practicing keep spreading love keep seeing you know, the self in everyone. It's a wonderful world we live in most of the time. <laughs> Peace. Yo, Scrib, yo, check it out. I got this ill wop pattern. Check it. Let me hear it. Sling, you hear something? What the hell is that? <laughs> Damn you, you must be Scribbles. <laughs> and DJ Slinky. <laughs>
Hey, my name is Razel, the godfather of noise. Hey, and here is my brother, Kenny Muhammad, the human orchestra. Hey, and if you are game, let's battle. Round one, fight. Hey, and just remember, it's man versus machine. It's a must It's a must It's a must I bust. Any mic that you hand to me. It runs in the family. I broke the bounds and pop it out. I broke the bounds and broke the most back back. crush you like some rice cakes. Well, it seems to me that you're quite confident you can beat me. about your sleeky technique. <laughs> it is not compatible to my style. Yo, Slink, get this guy. My, 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 my style is the best. And so I challenge you. You want, you want, you, you want to battle? You want, you want, you want to battle? You want, you want, you want to battle? But you're still not ready for the four elements. Earth. Anybody, I don't care who you I expect they all battle anybody rock and rock and rock and rock and rock the And not least, the water technique.
S-T-O-B-O-R-C Uh, human orchestra Brazil Give me some pop And now a public service announcement For the kids From Fortnite Productions Yeah, there's plenty of cornflakes, but nobody wants them. Wake up and sniff the pencil, self-destruction is essential. No one's got the bacon, yeah, there's plenty of cornflakes, but nobody wants them. Go round to your friend's house, inhale some nail varnish, get high and play PlayStation. Your mum's not home, listen to this bomb. Where's in your bong? Ah, oh, it tastes bad, you knew that before the song. Score some acid off a friend and then take it. Ham ham and listen to this sang naked. Who's got the drugs, man? Blow all your doll checking expensive drinks at clubs where everyone else is uneasy to sharing the love, but you don't pick up. Maybe you head off the floor, but you pay for 16 drinks. No, I only got four. Where's the beef? It's almost time for breakfast, but the milk's turned green. Wake up and sniff the petrol, self-destruction is essential You are real balanced diet of depression It's When no one's got the bacon, yeah, there's plenty of cocoa pops But nobody likes them Wake up and sniff the petrol, self-destruction is essential To a Bacon, yeah, there's plenty of muesli, but nobody likes it. Smoke some chaps. Here lives a brand. This is for wasting with piety when strained. It's drugs versus people versus clubs versus cops. But as long as we're employed, then the fun won't stop. The black market. Where everyone is friends. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, man. Oh, you owe me about two pills, regular price, plus friend discount. That'll be about 120, about 150. The underground is shifty, it's filled with dodgy stuff Those people try to get the drugs and can't get enough It's tough rules and small sharks nipping at your ankles But there's plenty of good things like Getting fucked up You're at the club and you see a beautiful woman And she walks up to you like a glowing angel And she looks you in the eye Makes that chewing noise, you know And breathes out hard Suddenly becomes infinitely less attractive Do you know I can get some pills for me, friends? It's fucked! Oh, where's the love? Well, it existed the peak, but then an hour later the world crumbles at your feet. And while you were high, you told your friend about that time you had sex with a dog and you'll never see him again because he wasn't very impressed. Wake up and sniff the petrol. Self-destruction is essential. To a real balanced diet of depression. It's a sad. We the bacon is plenty of wheat bits, but there's no milk left and nobody would eat them anyway if there was some. Wake up and Something. Read a book, have a bath with some scented oils, spend some time with yourself, buy my album, um, listen to this song, uh, oh you already have, um, DJ Wasabi? Don't do drugs. Don't. 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 Don't.
Breakfast I've ever seen. Yes? <laughs> 